Yes, people, it is Friday, which means we are back. Chin Check is here, and um, you know, last couple of weeks, hey, there's been a few other things going on on a Friday, but today we are back to our news coverage. Yes, people, so sit back and enjoy us peering into the MMA. Yeah, news feeds, people. We bring in our take on it all. So, here we go. Okay, people, so we are now entering the postseason of the NFL and we have got wild card fights fights yeah no i think we could say they're fights people are scrapping scrapping to get to the super bowl so saturday and sunday is when it is all well actually i think we've got some on monday too right hmm no Yep, no, no, yeah, we do get a Monday game. Alright, so Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So, first up, we've got the Bills against the Colts. You know, Buffalo, they've got a 13-3 and record. And Indianapolis, they are 15, no, 11-5. and 11-5, and right? So the Bills, you know, they are coming off an emphatic, an emphatic win against Miami, 56 to 26. And they did, you know what I mean? The last three games, they racked up those scores, right? They went 38 to 9 against the Patriots and then 48 to 19 against the Broncos. So um yeah, I think it's fair to say that you know Buffalo are coming with some serious heat. Now, the Colts they're coming off a win, you know, not as huge as Buffalo for sure, but yeah, they've got their coming of a win. They did 28-14 against Jacksonville Jaguars. You know? Um yeah, their their end of season wasn't quite the same because the week before they did lose to the Steelers. But you know, they still have a little momentum coming in. I would say that, you know, the postseason, it is all about momentum, right? All about momentum. So, I would say Buffalo take this one. We then have Seattle against Los Angeles. Seattle, they're 12 and 4. Los Angeles are 10 and 6. You know, the Seahawks... Yeah, Seahawks, they ended that season with a win over 49ers. They they snuck through 26 to 23. Um, you know, they they beat Washington 20 to 15. The Jets 40 to 3. 
I think the biggest win in those last few weeks, though, is the one at the end of December. They beat the Rams 20 to 9. 20 to 9. Hmm. Right? That's a big one there. Now, the Rams, they ended things with an 18-7 win over the Arizona Cardinals. But, yeah, they lost to the Seahawks. They also lost to the Jets. You know, we cannot forget that. Yeah, they beat the Patriots. But, yeah, it's been an odd one. It has been an odd one for them. And that win over the Cardinals, I mean, it wasn't an overly convincing situation, right? So, I think that Seattle, I think they're going to come out on top there, right? Then we, um, let's move to Sunday. We have got the um, Tennessee Titans against the Baltimore Ravens, right, and um, yeah, the Titans, they are coming in of a win over the, uh, te- the Houston Texans, you know, they won 41 to 38, it definitely got close in that one, it definitely got close, now, before that, they did get humbled a little to Green Bay. They beat Detroit. They beat Jacksonville. You know, but they lost to the Browns. You know, who have made the postseason for the first time in 20 years. So, yeah, it's... um The Titans have had their ups and downs for sure. And they're going up against, uh, you know, the Ravens. Right, who ended the sin with a big win against the Cincinnati Bengals. They won 38 to 3. You know, the week before they beat the New York Giants 27 to 13. They beat Jacksonville 40 to 14. You know, they beat the Browns too, a team they both played 47 to 42. So, yeah, the the last loss of the Ravens was the beginning of December with a, uh, you know, in a, a narrow, uh, you know, one at uh, Pittsburgh, right? So when we're looking at both teams, I would definitely say the Ravens are the one coming into the postseason with the most steam, most steam and the most consistency. So, yeah. I would say the Ravens take that. Also, on Sunday, we have got New Orleans Saints against the Chicago Bears. Now, New Orleans, they're 12 and 4. Chicago, they are 8 and 8. 8 and 8. Not a great record. Not a great record at all. And, um, yeah, their last game of the season was a loss. That's right, people. They lost their last game. You know, they racked up 16 points, but Green Bay Packers got 35. You know, the week before they did win, you know, they beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 
41 to 17. You know, they beat Minnesota the week before that, 33 to 27. The Houston Texans, 36 to 7. You know? So, yeah, it's getting in, coming off a loss, going up against the Saints, right? Who, um, right, they're all good. Because they beat Carolina Panthers 33 to 7. Definitely something they um you know can look highly at. Week before they beat Minnesota Vikings 52 to 33. You know, so they're coming off two very big wins. Very big wins. Which hey definitely helps, right? Because They'd lost to Kansas City And they lost to uh, Philadelphia You know, so coming in with those big, big wins They're definitely going to be feeling good Definitely going to be feeling good And I think, hey, they're going to be too much for them bears Now, our other game on Sunday we have got Washington against Tampa Bay. Now, Washington as 7-9. So, even a worse record than the Bears. Right? 7-9 in the postseason. It's kind of crazy. Tampa Bay, they are 11-5. So, Washington, they had been, um, yeah, doing their thing. They then hit a bit of a skid. Hit a bit of a skid, but won the last game of the season against Philadelphia 20-14, to which is definitely a good one. Yeah, because the, yeah, the week before they lost to Carolina, and they lost to Seattle. But, but, you know... Hey, it all started to go right for them with a um, a win over the Bengals, right? They then really took it to Dallas, even beat Pittsburgh, right? Was the start of Pittsburgh's slump, you know, you could definitely say. And they beat the 49ers. So... Yeah, there is a bit of momentum for Washington. Problem is, they are going in against Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who on the last day of the season racked up 44 points against the Atlanta Falcons. You know, the week before, they put 47 points past the Detroit Lions. You know, they scored 31 Against the Falcons in their other matchup. So, yeah. <laughs> Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are definitely coming in with the heat. Right? Coming in with the heat. And, listen, I'm a Washington fan through and through. But, I'm going to have to say the Buccaneers will win this game. You know? Going to say the Buccaneers will win the game. And so that makes our last game of uh, our you know, World Card Week is on Monday. And we've got the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Cleveland Browns. Pittsburgh are 12-4. Cleveland 
are 11 and 5. And Cleveland, they are in the playoffs. They're in the playoffs. And the crazy thing, right, it's the uh, second outing, right, second outing in the case of, you know, these last two weeks, right, but will be their third game of the season. Now, when they first met on the 18th of October, you know, Pittsburgh, yo, they were cleaning shop, right? They won 38 to 7. Wasn't even close. Wasn't even close. Then they met on the last game of the season and the Browns won by two, 24 to 22. Now, Steelers did have an opportunity to win that game, right? The quarterback fucked up. It wasn't Big Ben. So I think... The question is, will Big Ben be ready for Monday? Will Big Ben be ready for Monday? That is the thing. It's all down to those um, those injuries. Now, if the Steelers have got Ben in there, I'm saying the Steelers win. You know? I'm saying the Steelers win. But. Yeah, I think it all depends on, um, yo know, Ben, you know, being able to do his thing with that crazy arm of his. But, yeah, that is our wild card weekend, people. Who you got? So, I think people were wondering, what's the situation with Paige Van Zant? Right? What's going to happen? She, you know, she stated last year that she wanted to fight regularly. Wanted to fight regularly. But then, you know, she signed with uh, bare knuckle fighting. Doesn't fight. So, when was her debut going to be? Well, people, that has finally been announced. She will be fighting... um, Against, ah, I mean, I don't know how well known um, this young lady is, but it's Brittany Hart. That's who her opponent is gonna be. Now we know Hart. She, you know, she fought for the belt. She fought against um, Beck Rawlings. Who is um yeah the current uh, ladies champion in bare knuckle, uh, and her last fight in November I believe it was, yeah she got a stoppage, so that's who um Van Sant will be going up against, right? Which it is an interesting one, right? It is definitely an interesting situation. Because they are putting a lot onto uh, Van Zandt. They're putting a lot there. And, yeah, it's not just all that money. But they are now resting a pay-per-view on Van Zandt's shoulders. Oh, people, that is correct. Because Super Bowl weekend, bare knuckles... 
they're holding a pay-per-view and they're calling it, wait for it, Knuckle Mania. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Man, <laughs> you gotta love David Feldman. He he really is um you know what I mean? Trying to grab that shine, getting a little WWE up in there, your knuckle mania. Oh dear, Feldman, come on, man. But um, yes, they are making Van Sant Hart the main event of this. Um, well, there's a, yeah, they they they're calling it an extravaganza, you know. And listen, here's the thing: like, I don't believe I, Van Sant has won, you know, by stoppage with head kicks. I don't believe she knocked anyone out with a single shot, say, you know. Um, But her, she got a stoppage in the fourth round. And, yeah, you wonder. Because they're saying, you know, they didn't want to put her up against a completely unknown. Someone that hadn't fought, you know, bare knuckle before. Even though... I don't think there would have been technically anything wrong with that. You know, hey, if you had taken someone with a comparable record in MMA or boxing, right, and, you know, you brought her in to fight Van Zandt, that would have been fine. Because you have two people making their records at the same kind of level, right? I think... That would have been an okay situation. And I don't believe anyone would have questioned that. Now, her, she's, you know, she's fought bare knuckle before. Right, so she understands the, um, you know, the logistics of it all. Because it, it, it's not like boxing. You know, you, you, you want to change your punches slightly. See, this is the thing, and I think it's something that a lot of people, when they've, you know, crossed over, have done wrong. You know, they're punching like they're wearing a glove, and it's not quite the same, people. So, Hart already has this understanding, and as we said, look, she stopped someone. So, what will happen if Hart, <laughs> yeah. You know, people. What if Hart stops Van Zandt? You know, and what if she stops her brutally? I that would make it very difficult for um Ben Knuckle to, you know. Now look, you can still have Van Zandt fight, but have her as a main event. Have her as a complete sell. It's going to be difficult And, you know, they have made it clear on numerous occasions They're paying Van Sant very good money Right, so I don't think they would want her Really low down on a card You know, so they'd have to push her Now, I think it would have been better, say To have her as a featured bout 
So not the co-main, but the featured bout. Right? Because then you've got room to move. If she loses, she's not comp- you know what I mean, too high profile to you know what I mean? To, to get across with the fans again in the next time out. Right, you can have her in the featured spot again to build a, you know, to build her back up, give her another opponent, or the, the spot slightly, you know, lower than that. But having her as the main event, it does make things tricky. Now, there's two more fights that have been announced so far for Knuckle Mania. Right now, the the co-main. Now, this is an odd one, right? Because we've got Johnny Bedford against Dat Nugent. And I say it's an odd one because Bedford is currently, you know, Bare Knuckles lightweight champion. You know, he, he won the belt last year and he defended it in November. So technically, that would have been, and probably should be the main event because it's a champion, right? You end, a, you end it all with a championship fight. You know, Van Sant isn't, you know, she's not at the level of, you know, say, uh, an Anderson Silva where you might have her bring an event home. So, yeah, it, it, you know, odd placement, but they're doing what they, they, you know, feel is the thing for them. And then the last fight that was announced for the card We've got Chris Lieben against Quentin Henry. And it's a weird one because they're, they're, in some places this has been called a special attraction fight. But it's actually Chris Lieben's retirement fight. You know, so um, he retired last year. But he didn't have a retirement fight. And because... Yeah, there's not really a lot of MMA going on, and Lieben, you know, he's transitioning to be a referee. Yeah, I think he was looking for, you know, something to do, ways to make money, and um, Feldman offered him this opportunity to go out with one big fight. So yeah, they are the free fight that have been announced. The event is taking place. On the 5th of February, you know, so, um, yeah, it's at the RP Funding Center in Lakeland, Florida, you know, I believe they are letting in a, um, you know, a socially distanced crowd, so, yeah, if you're in the area, you know, maybe it's something you want to go check out, they're saying it costs twenty nine ninety nine, and um, it starts at nine p.m. Eastern time. But the pay per view is going to be available on all major platforms, including Fight TV. But um, yeah, I don't know. Be interesting to see how many more fights they add to the card. Yeah, because um, yeah. How many fights would you want to consider paying for this? Is $29.99 too high? Is Paige Van Sant the main event you want, people? Hmm. 
Any thoughts, let us know. So, Scott Coker, you know, the president of Bellator, he has been out doing interviews of late, and, um, yeah, some interesting things have, uh, you know, come out of these. Now, one of which is the Bellator schedule, you know, with, um, you know, an organisation that, I, I think you know, are looked at as the the second biggest, you know, in MMA. You'd kind of consider that, uh, you know, Bellator, with their stable fighters, because they've got a lot, you know, they've been signing people recently as well, you know, and, and I think they like to talk about themselves being the, um, you know, the best option, instead of going to the UFC, you kind of consider that, yeah, they, they would have a good number of events where they can give, you know, these talents, you know, the opportunity to fight. Now, as of right now, we don't have a Bellator event scheduled, right? Now, as Coker has said that... He's kind of assuming that they'll probably hold something at the end of February, right? But, you know what I mean? Look, it's the, what, it's the 8th of January? You know, so that's not a long time. There's 28 days in February, remember? And a lot of fighters, they want at least six weeks for a training camp. So, yeah, they like having nothing scheduled, no fights booked. It is weird. It is it, a very odd situation, you know. Um, now they've also also said that you know where he doesn't have a a, a roadmap of the year. Doesn't have a roadmap of the year, but. He's hoping to hold more events than last year, which, yeah, come on, let's be honest, that isn't going to be difficult. But they are saying that, you know, that he's probably looking in the ballpark between 22 and 26 events in the US. Yeah, 22 to 26 events in the US and then some abroad depending on the situation in uh, Europe, you know, what the lockdown, you know, procedures are and all of that viability, but it, it does very much differ from the amount of events the UFC will be putting on, right, and, you know, look, they don't have to put on 40 plus events. You know, we're not, I don't think anyone believes that they need to match the UFC for events, even though, right, they are a, a comparably sized organization with possibly more money behind them. Because they're owned by Paramount now. 
right? They're owned by Paramount, so the infrastructure there, huge. That you know they're um being run by is it Stephen Espinosa, head of Showtime? That's who Coca now answers to. So when you look at you know the um the infrastructure that Showtime Boxing has. You know, the deals with TV and all of that. You would kind of feel that, you know, there is definitely a a platform, right? There's a vehicle there for Bellator events, you know? So, holding, let's say they did 26, 26 events. That's still... Right, that, that that's probably I don't know if that's enough for their complete roster to fight, you know, a minimum of three times a year. Yo, know, you have to think that a lot of people they wanna fight at least three times a year. Yo, know, I don't know if they've got any crazy ass people like Cowboy Cerrone or like um, Angela Hill or Kevin Holland over there that will fight five plus times a year. You know, maybe they do, but you know, we I think Bellator fighters aren't necessarily as well promoted. Uh, we we know a few, but we don't know a lot. So you you kind of think, is that giving them the opportunity to shine? You know, wouldn't they be better suited to, I don't know, do a Invicta sort of thing, lock down one venue, one venue, and just hold everything there. Hold it all there, control it, you know, like the Apex Center as well, you know. I think you can COVID, um, what do you call it, balloon? No, that's not bubble, that's it, <laughs> balloon. I mean, it technically a balloon is a bubble, right? You know, but yes, they could, um, you know, bubble it, you know, and then you can just hold a whole heap of events, you know, and, and, yo, know, just give the fighters the opportunity to shine, you know, progress, there's, there's a load of people that, you know, want those title shots, right, but the, the biggest thing is make money, because when they're not fighting, they're not making money, man, so, yeah, giving people that opportunity, I I am surprised, you know, maybe this will change though, maybe it will change, I think we will, um, yeah, we will have to see on, um, on this front, I guess. Now, the other thing Coker, you know, was talking about, and that is Jake Paul, right, so Jake Paul... We have seen, um, you know, he called out Ben Askren and Coca definitely, you know, created a situation when um, he, you know, he picked Paul to knock out Askren, right? Not just be Askren, go like, they'd be like, oh, they'd go the distance. He believed that Paul would knock out 
Askren. Um, and, you know, Paul has also been calling out Dylan Dennis, who is a Bellator fighter. So, yeah, Coker addressed both of those topics. Now, he did say, like, he... Hmm. I mean, he kind of offered an apology to Askren. I I don't really know if it was. You know what I mean? It is one of those heart-hearted, you know, apologies that can be seen as something else. You know what I mean? Um. Now he said that, right? So um, yeah. What he what he said was uh you know was this right listen first of all Ben Askren I know you're mad because of what I said I apologize um it was directly at you but the result no diminishing of your accolades and all your victories and success in MMA. My only point with the Paul guys, Jake and Logan, these guys are really taking this very seriously. They're in the gym, they're boxing every day, they're surrounded by some serious boxing coaches and serious boxers, world-class level, and this is what they do. My only point... When he said he wanted to fight Ben Askren, you already know what's going to happen. Because to me, they are picking wrestlers or jujitsu guys that have an advantage, that they have an advantage over. That's really my point. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know. <laughs> it's not. Really an apology He says apologies And then he kind of Doubles down on the point <laughs> That you know Askren's gonna get fucked up So yeah There was that I mean look A lot of it I think I think we know Like we know the situation Askren He was the champion He was a champion over at Bellator Right He was a champion at Strikeforce And he was Bellator and, um, yeah, Coca let him go. While he was still the champion, he, uh, you know, cancelled that contract. So Ben went over to one. And, uh, yeah, he won the belt over there. Right? So you can see that there isn't a crazy love um, that Coca has. Right? And it's one of those funny things. I, I, I do feel, right, there's everyone... Will say that, you know, Dana talks shit And, you know, he has all these things to say about people and all of this But Coca is a lovely guy I mean, Coca does throw his own shade You know, but Coca does things differently Right, well, Dana will just say, fuck you Coca will, you know He'll, you know Colour it up a little Disguise that fuck you But he's still saying Fuck you <laughs> So yeah There was that Now He was then talking about Yeah Dylan Dallas And his fault is He would make the fight He would make the fight Between Dennis and Paul But 
he is looking for a concession, you know, and that concession would be, yeah, you can have a boxing match, but you have to do an MMA one as well, you know, because, yeah, you're asking these wrestlers, jiu-jitsu guys to come over and box where you have an advantage and then you can, you know, crow about your big victory if you win. So, come over to their wheelhouse. You know, you enter that one and see how that goes. Which, you know, it is a, you know, it's fair. But, I don't know if you would see it. I don't know if you would see it. Otherwise... You would have them, you know, challenging people for MMA fights. But that's not what they're doing. They're calling for boxing fights, right? And I think the big thing as well is you would probably need to have the MMA fight first. Because I kind of imagine even if, even if they say, yeah, we'll do an MMA fight too. Will they? You know, say they then get a knockout in the first, second round. Not saying that's how it will go, but let's imagine if that was the case. That's a scenario. You know, Jake, he wins by knockout. He's then talking about it, showing off all of that. Will he actually then want to go to MMA? Will he actually want to fuck around with jiu-jitsu a few months later? I'd say no. And they are filthy rich. So even if there's a contract signed, a stipulation, I think he'd be fine with just paying a grand fine. You know, being like, yeah, fuck it. (laughs) I can make that money through one YouTube video. So, yeah, I would say if you were doing that stipulation... You'd want to have the MMA fight first. You know, because it's easier to hold, you know, one of your contracted fighters to something than it would be them. Because, you know, if Dallas wins, I mean, Dallas would win an MMA fight. Yeah, no doubt. Or a jiu-jitsu fight. Dallas would win, right? And if he was then to be like, meh, I don't want to box, then all Coco would be like, well... You don't get another fight until you do. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? And, he, he, and he's trapped. It's not like he can go to another promotion. Because he'd be under contract. So it's an easier thing to do. Now, Coca did also say, why doesn't Paul fight one of our strikers? Which, yeah, again, that's a fair thing to say. But the names he then puts out... You know, Ryan Bader. (laughs) You know what I mean? Douglas Lima. I'm like, "Eh, yeah, that's not going to happen. Vadim Nemkov. Yo, these are your champions. Right? So, you've also stated that, you know, yes, they're training with boxers. But they've had a couple of fights. So, on the flip, that, again, wouldn't be a fair fight. 
having them fight seasoned strikers wouldn't be a fair one. So you would have to then put them against, you know, people with, you know, less fights. So it would be um, like an Aaron Pico. That would be a fairer fight. You know, Aaron Pico or James Gallagher. You know, that's a fairer one. But even those two still have more striking, um, you know, fight backgrounds than the pools. But So you'd want to put them against people, you know, newer people in. You know, they could have won their fights. That's not an issue. But just people without a whole load of fights. You know, that makes it fair. And I think that's what we're looking for. Fair competitions. Because, yeah, if the Paul brothers do win, fine. But let's just make them fair fights. Not, you know, huge guys against small guys. Or guys with striking against guys without. It's, yeah, that's a little ridiculous. You know? So, um, I don't know. But, yeah, that's, that is the uh, situation. Clarissa Shields. Now, that was a big story in 2020, right? I mean, we knew, we knew that there was talk. We knew it was a consideration, but there had never been any proper clarity. Like, we'd seen her crop up with fighters. We'd, you know, I've seen some footage of her doing leg kicks and such. But what was going to be the move? Because I think everyone at the time realised her coming to the UFC and fighting Amanda Nunes, it's not the best look, right? I mean, Nunes even said, I'm going to just take her down and ground and pound her, you know, which would be the smart thing to do, you know, because, hey, even without any, you know, a full complement of MMA skills, Clarissa Shields still punches, <laughs> you know, you do not want to catch her punches, right, and with smaller gloves, ooh, you know, and that's opening up a world of possibilities, so yes, you would take her down, so when it was announced towards the end, was it, oh, I want to say it was November, right, end of November, Um, yeah, she announced that she'd signed with PFL, you know, you're like, Hey, that's sensible, right? That is smart. But the big question then was, when will be her first fight? Now, she she clarified some stuff early on, said that, you know, in that first year, it's all about just getting knowledge. You know what I mean? Getting some time underneath the belt, taking some fights, building up the resume which, a sensible approach, then 2022, yeah, she's going to enter those tournaments, you know what I mean, try and get that one milli, which, yeah, that's the reason you do PFL, right, you want to be in that chance to win those big checks, now, she um, recently just did an interview with Damien Martin, and um, we get even more clarification, you know, I think 
Ooh, yeah, I think towards the end of last year, I did speculate that she would possibly try and fight in the first quarter, right? Now, that's not quite the case. You know, um, she's got a boxing match in February. And, um, yeah, she told Martin that her deadline for her first MMA um Appearance, you know, where she's not rushing it, she doesn't want to be sitting around on the sidelines forever. So the deadline for that first fight is May June, which you know, that's the deadline, right? So it doesn't mean that she wouldn't be fighting in say April, you know, but we're definitely gonna see a, a, a fight. Before the end of June Which is good Because I believe I might be wrong I might be remembering this incorrectly But I believe she had said She wants to get a At least three fights in You know so Three fights in MMA Three fights in boxing And yeah June You know That would Technically allow you enough time to get three more fights It all does depend on the damage I think that's the big thing And I I think that also impacts when this first fight will be Right, if in her February boxing match She, you know, ends it early Right, or it goes to full 12 But you know, she's not marked up, I think that would possibly see her make that MMA transition sooner, you know, but once you do get that MMA fight, that then opens up a whole lot to when the next lot of fights are, because, you know, it, it's not as much um, elbows, you know, getting those big cuts and things like that, we also have to consider leg damage. Remember when Uriah Faber fought Jose Aldo. Yo, homie had to get stretched out of the ring. Yo, his legs were messed up. Legs were messed up. We have seen a, a countless amount of fighters who win fights, but <laughs> They're not walking afterwards Like John Jones He's hurt his legs before So many champions have hurt their legs So Yeah I think that in itself Is something else that could impact You know The, the next fights after the first appearance Possibly You know the boxing Everything But it's an interesting situation At least we know you know, hey, th this is our time frame for Clarissa Shields. An interesting thing would be, oh, you know, and, uh, you know, Martin didn't ask. I've, I've reached out to Shields, you know, hopefully we can possibly get her on the podcast at some point this year. But what's her take on losing? You know, what? Will happen if she loses a fight Because Hey, we all know this is true We've seen a lot of people lose And come back even stronger 
come back even stronger because you know a loss is like the Da Vinci Code. It it opens up, you know, opens up your game. It shows you the weaknesses. It shows you those those spots which maybe you hadn't even considered. Or, you know, okay, right, now I get to this point, I need to change things up. We've seen Connor, every time Connor loses, and, <laughs> you know, it's not been many, right? He's lost, what, three times. But he comes back even better after the loss. We've seen him make those corrections. Yo, so... What's that fault for Shields? You know, what's going to happen if she loses? Right, this is an interesting, you know, thing. There's inboxing a loss. Oh, that can scupper everything. You know, that can take you completely off, you know, the map of a, a title shot. Not so much in MMA. You know, not so much in MMA, which is, I think, the thing that makes MMA so compelling. You know, because it doesn't matter if you've lost, you're still a threat. You know, so, yeah, it would be good to get that insight from Shields. But it's very good to know that, you know, she's putting in the work. You know, she said it's not about the ego. She understands coming over to MMA. Hey, people could beat her. You know, she's not the best like she is in boxing, but she wants to get to that point. So, um, hey, it's all interesting, right? Be I'm looking forward to see her fight in boxing in February and then to see that first MMA fight. Man. 2021 is, uh, yes, going to be an interesting year and definitely an interesting one for Clarissa Shields. There is a lot of talk about the lightweight championship at the moment, right? Is Khabib retired or isn't he? You know, if he's not, what happens? Do you make... McGregor Poirier for the belt? Do you make it for the interim belt? Or does the winner get to challenge for the belt? Right? That's a lot of the talk right now. And if you're saying the winner of Poirier McGregor challenges for the belt, right? Who do they, you know, who do they fight? Who would then be the person? Now, some people have said it's Gaethje. But remember, Gaethje is just challenged for the belt. And he lost. Right? And he, you know, let's be fair. He wasn't competitive. Khabib pretty much walked through him and won that fight. So having Gaethje as an immediate challenger for a vacant belt. Is that fair? You know? Hmm. I don't think it is, right? So, what happens? Who do you then make the, you know, the person to go up? Would it be the winner of Hooker against Chandler? Knowing, though, that 
Hooker, he's coming off a loss to Dustin Poirier, so I think if Hooker was on a, a winning streak, or at least won his last one or two, yeah, you could think, yeah, that would, yeah, that would be fair if Hooker wins that fight, right, and it is Chandler's first fight in the UFC, so do you let him have one fight and then challenge for the belt, or should he fight, you know, at least one more time after a potential hooker win. Yeah, there's a lot of questions. A lot of questions. Then there's Charles Oliveira. So he'd been on a winning streak for real, but he hadn't fought anyone really in the top 10 until he challenged Tony Ferguson and won that fight. So what do you do with Charles Oliveira? Now, it is reported that Charles Oliveira was offered Michael Chandler. But he couldn't make the weight. Which, uh, yeah, that is a bit of a problem. You know what I mean? Because you kind of think, hey, he should have been ready to make the weight. Right? He, he's been talking a lot, his team have been talking a lot, saying, you know, he should be challenged for a belt and all of this, that, I feel, was that opportunity, you know, that was the chance, win that fight, you're challenging for the belt, right, but Dana then came out and said he is looking to put Charles Oliveira against Justin Gaethje, and you gotta say, hey, that's a good fight, Right, that's a good fight. But <laughs> there's always a but, right? And the but here is again Charles Oliveira's team. Charles Oliveira's team. It is a problem, people. Sometimes your team, you know, they can scupper things. Ooh, look, we saw it with you know Chris Cyborg. Her team, essentially, were the reason she got cut from the UFC by putting out dishonest videos, you know, dishonest information. And other teams have done similar crazy things, you know, or scuppered fighters' opportunities, you know. And, um, yeah, Oliveira's team have just come out and said he shouldn't be fighting Justin Gaethje. He should be getting an immediate shot at the belt. Which, oh, it's a little crazy. It is a little crazy. Because, people, look, the lightweight division, it's pretty stacked. There are a lot of fighters that you could look at and go, on any given day, they've got potential for winning that belt. And I don't think that's an unfair thing to say. And you've got to still keep Tony Ferguson in that mix. Yeah, he's lost two fights. But, you know what I mean? It, it's just like two fights against top-level competition. So, when you're looking at it like that, there's not a, a lot of people that you go, oh, yeah, they automatically get a shot. Right? Because that's insane. Because then what about all the other people? So if you're breaking it down and going, right? The winner of 
Poirier McGregor, the winner of Hooker Chandler, then you have to go, yeah, it it should be the winner of Oliver and someone, right, if you're not giving those other fighters who all have, you know, great records, you know what I mean, They've all been doing a thing. So if we're not saying, yes, they're, they're automatically in a title fight, then why would Oliveira? Why would Oliveira? Right? You have to look at these things and think, okay, how do they make sense? And saying Oliveira should be in an immediate title shot does not make sense. No, he has an impressive win over Tony Ferguson for sure. There is no taking away of that. Here's four other people. He was, what, six fight unbeaten streak. Yes, fine. That is very good. But look at those other competition, you know? So you have to say that these other fighters have been fighting at a higher level, a bigger risk for loss, you know? And they said, look, Gaethje just lost to Khabib. Yo, and the people we fought to get to that point have been so much better than the people that Oliveira has gone through. So, if Oliveira then beats Gaethje, yes, that's it. You, I am more than happy to be like, yeah, give him a shot at that belt, people. You know what I mean? Do the thing. Give him that shot. But right now, no, don't be stupid. And Oliveira, talk to your team, son, because they are doing you a big disservice, a big disservice if if they are trying to stop you fighting Justin Gaethje because it is insane and it is very foolish you know, because if they didn't let you do this, it does put you down. It does put you down, you know, the the ladder for that shot. Because I would imagine if that fight doesn't happen, it will be the winner of Poirier McGregor against the winner of Hooker Chandler. That's what I would imagine. You know? Or... Maybe someone else jumps into that mix because hey, it could happen. It could happen. So um, yeah, I I would definitely say, hey, Oliveira needs to fight to Gaethje. Needs to do it. You know. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Let's see what happens, people. Let's see. Um, let's see how it goes down. You know. So Dana White recently, you know, he was doing some interviews and um, he was asked about open scoring. And um, Dana isn't a big fan of that, right? He's not a big fan. And um, I, I think Dana's been talking about it in the respect of the third round, right? If a fighter is up, 
clearly up by two rounds, are they going to come out and, you know, fight a third, right, or are they going to be on their bike for most of that round, which I'd say, to be fair, we have seen that, right, we have seen that, but here is my take on open scoring, because, you know, they've been doing in Invicta, Right, I think they've they've done it in the last few LFAs. I forget if they did it in Cage Warriors in their recent events, but you know, a few people have started to to look at the idea. But here's the thing: open scoring, as of right now, it it's. It, I, I don't think it does anything, right, because, now, here's the thing, judging is still terrible, <laughs> you know what I mean, so, even if you're getting the, um, the scores, they can still be terrible scores, right, and it, it's still something you can't do anything about, you know, case in point, if there was open scoring in the Paul Felder, Rafael dos Santos fight, and what was it the second or the third round, which you know one judge gave to Felder, right? It's not changing anything, but it's gonna have people a bit miffed, right? And that's the thing. The the big thing that I feel does need to be addressed. Is the actual judging rather than the scoring? Because I do agree in the fact that finding out the scores, there is an excitement to that. You know, when they're both standing there, the referee's got the hands, and you know, Buffer or um, Martinez or whoever, you know, depending on the promotion, is calling out the the, the winner, the outcome. There is an excitement to that, especially when you get to that third judge, right? One judge gives it to one fighter, another judge gives it to another, and you're thinking, oh, what's happening here? Who's getting it? You know, it, and sometimes it's not even that, right? You know, one time, sometimes you get a, uh, a clear, you know, a clear score for one fighter, then the next judge, and, and it's not so clear, and you're then trying to think, okay, now, yeah, I can imagine we could give all rounds to that one, huh, could you give one round to, I wonder who's got it, right, so you, you, you have that pondering, that thinking, and there's that excitement, and then it's announced, and you're like, yo, he won, she won, and it's like, yeah, so there is an excitement to that, which, um, I kind of feel it would be a shame to lose, but if you did, fine, you know, doesn't matter, fine, but, yeah, the big thing that does need to be addressed is the judging itself, you know, because I think open scoring to the current system is like putting a plaster on cancer, you know what I mean? It's not really going to do a lot, 
you know, because shit is still bad, right? Shit is still bad, and judging is terrible. So, what do you do to fix judging? Do we add more judges? Because, you know, at the moment, there's three judges. So, would adding five judges help? Because I think, I believe that's what they do in glory. They have five judges. And I think somewhere else, I forget, it might be one or maybe risen, you know. But I believe that they have maybe five judges and they take... Three or something of the score. There's something. There's a different kind of system. But there are two options, right? We increase the amount of judges. You know, which, you know, I think that is definitely something that should be done. More judges is probably a better way of looking at it. But also, and this is a big one, right? And I think it's something that has been shown because of last year, you know, with social distancing and all of that, the the protocols, we don't always have judges in the room, and that is huge, because you have to think, judging, and we have definitely seen it, has been influenced by crowd noise, it has been influenced by crowd noise, so, do you, going forward, put judges in a, you you can have them in the, in the venue, but in a separate room, right, and they get the screen, but no commentary, and no crowd noise, do you do that, or maybe pipe them, you know, the commentary audio, so I was going to say, so they have an understanding of what's going on. But yes, I think that's another point, though, which we will get to. So no audio, right? And they just get to watch it. So their scoring is, in essence, purer. So do we do that? But, you know, I think as we've seen, we don't even need them in the venue. So you can have remote judging, Right, remote judging, which then gives you an option to get the best judges. Right, that's the thing, the best judges if you had remote judging. And here's the other one as you know, as I was gonna say, oh, give them commentary so they know what's going on. But that's the thing, they take a lot of judges from boxing. And, um, you know, we've definitely heard stories, right, where a judge has turned to someone and said, um, what are they doing on the ground? You know, because they don't understand wrestling or jujitsu. So, do you, you know, implement a system where judges need to show, right, they need to show a comprehensive understanding of all aspects of MMA. Now, I I do kind of scratch my head and wonder why isn't that a requisite right now? Do you know what I mean like surely that should be a clear thing at the moment? 
you know, a judge should understand the difference between a toe lock, a leg lock, you know, or someone just holding a leg. <laughs> for a single leg takedown, maybe, or just to stop themselves from getting hit. You know, you should know all of that, but not every judge does. So, should something be set up a, well, let's just say a judging system for judges, you know, a scoring, a ranking system for judges where, you know, you have to show your understanding of the sport to be able to judge and to be able to judge where, like, let's say, with the NFL, if you you know, have some really horrible decisions in a, in a match, you don't get to, you know, to ref NFL matches, you get moved down, and then you have to show your capabilities before you get called back up to the NFL, so should that be a thing, you know, a system put in place where Judges show their um, abilities and are held accountable for giving Paul Felder a round against Rafael dos Santos. You know, I, I think those things are the things that need to be looked at over implementation of open scoring. I mean, what do you think, people? You know? Do you think that's the thing to do? Or do you think just having open scoring in of itself is a good option? Okay, people. So, we are that time. We're drawing to a close for another week. But before we do, let's take a look and see what's happening Ooh, with those fight announcements. So, um, yeah, we revealed the other day that Besh Carrera, you know, she had to have her, um, I think it was her appendix, right? She just had to go under the knife, so it meant she was out of her fight on the 16th of January. Didn't know at the time if, um, you know, Wu Yanan would uh, still be on the card. You know, there was people calling for that fight. But, um, yo, she has now got an opponent, and that is uh, Jocelyn Edwards, who, um, you know, I think she last fought with the LFA, right? But she is stepping in on short notice, making her Octagon debut. So, uh, yeah, Yanan will fight, and Edwards... We'll look to see if she can make a splash. Alright, so then a few days later on the 20th, again there was another situation. Was a Ricky Simone still gonna be on that card? Right? Brian Kelliger, he got a COVID positive. Now he's now said that hey, it was a false positive, but because of protocol. He uh, still can't fight Right now there was talk of Just moving that fight But instead Simone stays And he gets a new opponent He will be fighting uh, Gatano Pierillo 
Ah, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say that's how I'm pronouncing it. I don't know if it's correct. All right. Now, on um, let's move ahead right to UFC 258, which takes place on the 13th of February. Pedro Munez will be fighting Jimmy Rivera. That fight was, you know, it was rescheduled due to, I believe, COVID again. But yeah, taking place on the 13th. Also, a rescheduled for that one is Balao Muhammad Diego Lima. Yes, people. UFC 258. That's not a bad, uh, you know, it's not a bad card, right? We've got some fun stuff going down. Headlined by Kamara Usman Gilbert Burns. Just think, also on that card, Uriah Hall against Chris Weidman. Kelvin Gastelin, Ian Heinish. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, that is a fun card for sure, people. Fun card for sure. Now, also, also a fun card. It's uh, UFC 259, which takes place on the 6th of March, right? So, we've just been told that Livana Souza will be fighting Amanda Limos on, um, yeah, that will be, you know, taking place on that card, you know, which, that's a good fight, right? Also, we're getting Sonya Dong against Kyla Phillips, the Matrix. Man, Phillips looked sensational in his last outing. So, hey, that's going to be fun to see what he can do. You know what I mean? Against that upper echelon of opponent in Yadong. And, um, people, the big fight has finally been announced. And I'm talking Peter Yan against Aljamain Sterling. That is also taking place at going down at UFC at 259. And people, how stacked is that card? It's a crazy card. And that makes it the third title fight going down that night. It's headlined with the light heavyweight belt. Champion, new champion, Polish power, Jan Blakowicz against the upstart, middleweight champion, Israel Adesanya, looking to be champ, champ. Also, the women's featherweight belt on the line, Amanda Nunes putting that strap down against Megan Anderson. So, Jan Sterling for the bantamweight, yes, it's crazy. Also on that card... Alexander Rakic against Thiago Santos. We got Randy Costa against Trevin Jones. Joseph Benavides against Askar Askarov. Dominic Cruz against Casey Kenny. Jake Matthews, Sean Brady, Tim Elliott, Jordan Espinosa. Islam Makarev against Drew Dober. Yo. That's insane, people. So, definitely looking forward to that. 
I want to point something out as well, right? When doing my, you know, bare knuckle championship research, I did notice that they have got Brock Weaver down as one of their fighters. And as far as I know, Brock Weaver is still part of the UFC. So I think David Feldman needs to, you know, do some fixing up of that website because, yeah, that's kind of fuckeries, right? But people, we're done. We are out. We'll be back on Monday. You know what I mean? So, um, hey, it's going to be fight week, people. Enjoy those weekends. Have fun. See you soon. Peace.